This week on Media Delta. In 1991, Capcom produced a shoot-em-up based on a manga by Karu Shintani named Area 88. As Area 88 was a manga about a group of mercenary fighter pilots fighting in a war against increasingly powerful adversaries, it provided the perfect setting for such a game, despite the manga's focus on the horrors of said war rather than just the action. At the time, Capcom was also looking to bring the game to the West. Area 88's popularity here was there, although minuscule compared to Japan, despite it being one of the first manga published in English all the way back in 1987. So, Capcom decided to rebrand the game over here as UN Squadron, even though they decided to keep the names from almost everything else from the manga, except for the name, apparently. The popularity of Area 88 in Japan led to have other adaptations other than said video game, notably two animated adaptations. One, a trio of OVAs produced from 1985 to 1986, and a 2004 TV series. The OVAs will be the subject of this episode, with the 2004 series having to wait for another day. So, please join us as we can see if we can survive our tour of duty looking at Area 88, the OVA series. Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Uh, this time we uh, got something a little bit different uh, than what we took a look at last time. Uh, although not maybe quite, because um, this is also uh, one of the things that... Uh, uh, Salamander was one of the first things we took a look at um, in Ranking of Shmups when, that first series, when I was doing that series. Uh, but there was another uh, thing that we took a look at pretty early on, uh, and that is a game that particularly arcade version of a game called UN Squadron. Uh, and that is a game that is kind of a cult classic, at least in its SNES form. Also in the arcade uh, version, that uh, one of the reasons why I did Media Delta was, this is actually a prime candidate of why I kind of, or one half of why I kind of started the series, uh, was the idea of, because one of the things is you you get used to a game or you get kind of familiar with a game and it's like, oh, hey, this game's kind of neat. Why don't I look a little bit into it? And you kind of realize, or something that I did, uh, didn't realize for a while, especially now when I was first playing it, that UN Squadron is actually based on a manga. Uh, and that manga is named Area 88, which is what we're going to be talking about now. Um, because, what um, an unfortunate number. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's... yeah. Um, but yes, uh, that, uh, it, it, thankfully it does not go quite into that, into that territory, but, uh, it definitely <laughs> goes into some dark places, but not quite that dark. Um, different so kind yeah, of dark. So yes, uh, with me, uh, to talk to me about this, uh, who do I got in alphabetical order? Hi, this is Carvel. <laughs> I'm Torpo, and did you know that war is hell? Really? Bet you didn't. Well, this thing will definitely tell you. Um, so yes, uh, Area 88. Uh, so this is actually based, uh, Area 88, we're taking a look at, um, this was originally a manga, uh, but we are taking a look at a OVA series that was based on it. Um, it is one of the kind of the three main ways that this um, kind of property has been released. Uh, the first originally being a manga uh, that only partially got released over here. Uh, this 
this series has kind of had rights hell. Like, it, in fact, right now, as we're recording this, it's kind of in rights hell right now. Um, it only about, like, I think it was like like a quarter of this entire manga run got brought out over here. Yes, um, the last 12 issues were never brought over here. Uh, which I think there was 23, so about half. Yeah. Like a little bit more than half. Uh, but yes, um, there is also, so there was this OVA series that came out in 1985. The first one came out in 1985, uh, and it looked like it ran, like the last uh, OVA was released August 15th, 1986. Uh, so released in kind of a weird thing because it seems like not everyone get, get it consistent about what exactly the release of this thing was uh, because it is mostly it is usually referred to to be released in three different distinct parts with um, the titles of the acts being referred to as Area 88 Act 1, Blue Skies of Betrayal, Area 88 Act 2, The Requirements of Wolves, and Area 88 Act 3, Burning Mirage. Um, and uh, yeah, that's those are some names, all right. Um, and they, these OVAs did actually come out over here. Um, actually, came out over here twice uh, because one of the other ways that this uh, air, this series kind of left the manga uh, was that there was also a TV series in 2004 <laughs> um, that when they released that set on uh, DVD, they actually uh, redubbed uh, with the English voice acting that they had for the... Um, the TV show, they actually redubbed the uh, original OVAs, which is actually the version that we watched. Um, it was pretty... The voice acting was actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get into that once we get into the characters, but... Um, yeah, it's this... series has a really weird release. Um, because also, it, it's weird because a lot of the times, it seemed like Acts 1 and 2 end up getting merged. Um... So it's really weird to see, like, because especially I've seen, like, of, like, run times. It's been weirdly inconsistent about when, when you're looking up to see who uh, like, actually worked on this. Or, like, not Yeah, we ended up this, watching but... two parts that were in our 38, and that was the OVA for us. But because people keep lumping together parts one and two, we found... Yeah, and I guess it has something to do with the release of the the anime version. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm guessing. Also, because it's weird because OVAs one and two are, I believe it's fifty three minutes and forty eight minutes, whereas the last OVA is like ninety three minutes. So it's, they're really weirdly timed. Like they're they're really long. So um, you got that. Uh, that probably is not helping. Uh, also, it seems like at, because OVA one also does not have a distinct ending, which is also weird. Like you can definitely tell when Act two when when OVA two ends, it definitely you can tell when. Oh uh, dear lord, yeah. Act yeah. one does not have that, but we'll get into that. Um, so before we actually get into uh, the actual thing itself, uh, just to give a brief overall. We'll do that once we get in the cast. Uh, let's talk about what actually, like, who worked on this. Um, so the manga itself uh, was written by one, or was, is it written or drawn? 
Is that referred to uh, when you talk about manga? It depends. Well, it depends on if there's a separate team or is it just one person? Because usually when it's one person... Uh, this is definitely say, one person. Then I would just say is written... Just say written and drawn by. Yeah, this is written, made by. Yeah, you could just say made. Yeah, this was, so Area 8 was made by uh, Karu Shintani, uh, who... Uh, not a lot of his work uh, came... I believe it's his. Yes, his. Um, a lot of his work uh, did not come out over here. Uh, Area 88 is definitely his most famous work. Um, the thing about him that you will... If you take a look at anything about Area 88, one thing that will be very apparent is that he was actually a assistant to Leiji, uh, Leiji Matsumoto, who is the creator of things like Captain Harlock in Galaxy Express 99. He's very prolific. Uh, is he also the Cyborg 99? Or is he 99? Yeah. No, Cyborg, wait, Shatara Shimoa. Eh. Oh, no, he's a space, uh, space battle, uh, battleship Yamato is what yeah, he so that on. Yeah, so that, yeah. Sh- you sh- can Shimoda. tell he was his assistant because he apes his style hard. Yes, yeah. uh, the main pro- the protagonist of this series looks a lot like Captain Harlock. There was like one of the first jokes made when we were watching through, actually. Um, so I, I just I do want to kind of go I'm because I'm looking through Kar- uh, Karishitani's uh, kind of works. Uh, Area Eight Eight was actually one of his first manga. His first one was something called the Phantom Burai which went from 1978 to 1984. Area 88 was from 1979 to 1986. Uh, a lot of these are just kind of pretty basic names. Uh, there is something uh, something like Cleopatra DC, apparently. Futari, uh, Futari Daka. Something about a motorcycle gang. Uh, I do like the fact that he just produced a manga called Goddamn. <laughs> like that's just the name of it. Uh, also, because I'm looking at this on Wikipedia, and I noticed that there is a link, actually, for... Uh, actually, his, his latest work is actually apparently... Well, not his latest. His second latest is something apparently called Young Miss Holmes. Uh, which, I think that also got an anime. Oh, nope, it didn't. But yeah, uh, that's the... There's also a link to something called I Dream of Mimi. Fuck, did that get a show? I don't think it did. Hmm. Uh, um... So just as a complete side, I just, it's great when you can, one of the things I love about going, doing deep dives into Wikipedia about people saying, so this I Dream of Mimi that he did, uh, also known as Butobi CPU, uh, which apparently blasting off CPU, um, it's great when you can kind of just read the start and you can kind of see exactly where this thing's going, uh, because, uh, and I'm sure, sure Torpo might see where this is going as soon as I did. Uh, and I see I Dream of Mimi uh, is a Japanese series by Karu Shintani. It was produced in 1997 by Pink Pineapple Studios. Oh. Um, oh. So it was released in North America by The Right Stuff International under the name I Dream of Mimi. Uh, it's a couple other things. And it's great because I'm like, oh, wait, isn't that something kind of weird? And then I, I just look at the plot. So I'm just reading this plot as I'm going along. 
And here's the plot of I Dream of Mimi. A young student named uh, Akira has saved up a large sum of money to buy the... And this is also from Wikipedia. A young student named Akira has saved a large sum of money to buy the latest and per- best personal computer, only to find out that they are sold out. He then finds what he thinks is the same model number in an alley and buys the large boxed-up machine from a shady character nearby. When he gets home, Akira is so- shocked to find his new computer is a bio-android shaped like a pretty young lady. He is even more shocked to discover when she tells him he constantly needs a semen in order to refresh her semi- or physical memory. Uh... Yeah, so for reference, for those who don't know, Pink Pineapple does hentai OVAs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So because I, so, I was like, okay, this just seems okay from that first thing, and then I read the last sentence, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> But anyway, it, I'm sure his I'm sure his work's perfectly fine. Um So yes. Uh Yeah. Um so yeah, that's Karu Shintami. Shintani. Sorry Idiot was definitely his most popular work and it was brought over to OVA form uh by Studio Perio. Worked on it. Same people who did Salamander. Uh it's also the same director as Salamander, uh Hisayuki Toriyomi, uh I believe. Um, who also one thing I did I did actually forget to point out in or in some other things that he worked on Hisayuki uh, Toriyumi uh, he did work on Gachaman uh, he also worked on Battle of the Planets apparently he was a director for it well Battle of the Planets wasn't that just Gachaman but brought over to the West technically now that I think about it I believe that was <laughs> so yeah that makes sense okay because it's it's weird that I'm getting completely different. Uh, information from IMDb and uh, 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 my anime's uh, or see. yeah my anime list so I apologize in advance if it turns out that some of this information may be wrong but I am getting completely different mixed signals between these two sites um, but anyway uh, that is the same production studio or the same production staff behind that uh, there is also a Yuji Nunikawa who worked as a uh, he was a producer for the Area 88 OVAs. Uh, looking through here, uh, other work that he did. Uh, he was apparently a planning for Great Teacher Onizuka. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, anything else? Uh, same Naruto. Actually, I think I brought him up during the other thing. Yeah. Uh, so he also worked on Salamander. Uh, yeah. So, yes. So oddly enough, some of the same uh, uh, same staff as Salamander, although it comes up with a completely different product, oddly enough. Uh, I, I still think that's because, strictly speaking, they actually had source material to work with for this and actually base their stuff off of, compared to Salamander slash Gradius, which is incredibly plot light. To this, which is incredibly plot dense. Exactly. Because like, this is based off of a manga with ex- like extensive source material. This was years in the making. Although, to be fair, yeah. it also looks a lot better. It, it does. It does. looks a lot better. It's so much better. Yes. So, um, that is your production. That's kind of the people who are working in production. Uh, there is more. In- there is definitely more information on music, though. Uh, the music in this thing is phenomenal. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, from, st- like... Starting out, like, because this starts out in kind of an immediate res kind of thing where it's you see the main protagonist sh- engaging in a gunfight 
and then refueling. Uh, then it starts out with what looks like flames in the background uh, to the song uh, How Far to Paradise by Derek Jackson, who was, I believe, I can't find much information about him, uh, but let's listen to a little bit of How Far from Paradise. So good. us off so completely when it came on as right as we started yeah it it did because it's like you hear this like sit like orchestral kind of thing before this and then you hear this like it was just a complete tonal shift also you see like tanks rolling and firing and shit too uh it's like wait what yeah perfect thematic sense with the entirety of the ova oh yes the tone completely for how the rest of the series goes uh also another great tonal kind of thing uh is the ending song for uh the second ova which is the song uh long ago and so far away good song uh i highly so uh i kind of normally was kind of hesitant about whether or not i'm going to play these uh but considering no one can figure out who owns the rights in any way uh, i don't think we should have to worry about playing these very much yeah it's not like this is some big licensed music yeah we're not also this isn't going to get uploaded to twitch again so it depends upon it depends on how good uh itunes is about this kind of stuff which I have heard very other things, so I don't think that should be an issue. You're probably fine, considering kind of shit that gets on iTunes. Yeah, they literally don't care. But yes. Uh, other, The third song I do want to point out is the opening song to the OVA 3, uh, which is Sand of Illusion, which is a fantastic song. <laughs> So just to point out, uh, So Long Ago and So Far Away was apparently uh, produced by, um, let's see, we got uh, Shima Kitsuhara, I believe that's how you pronounce that, and Sands of Illusion was done by the same person. 
So Shimkitaro did both. Neat. So yes, uh, that is the music, uh, which brings us to, let's actually talk about kind of in general what Area 88 is. So um, Area 88 focuses on one Shinkazama. Uh, Shinkazama was a very promising uh, pilot for uh, Yamato Airlines. Uh, he was in training to be a very good pilot for them. Uh, the thing was is that uh, Shin, uh, who is... Uh, this is where the voice is kind of weird, um, because, let's see, um, if I go to casting characters, or, let's see, characters and staff, uh, I believe Shin Kazama was voiced uh, by Chris, uh, in the English dub, voiced by, apparently by Chris Patton, who, going through here, um, let's see, we got, doo -doo -doo. that name sounds familiar, I just gotta figure out what he did. Actually, I probably could figure out here through IMDb. I'm sure he's done a lot of stuff. Let's see, what is his most... What is his known for? And, of course, IMDb is going to be a pain. Yeah, it's shit in the bed. Uh, let's see if I can find... Let's see. Okay, his known for... He is Greed in Full Metal Alchemist. He is... Yuganai in Spriggan. Uh, he is... Curls in the Funimation dub of Dragon Ball Z Might at Tree of Might? Yeah, but it's one of the movies. Uh, he's Linhart in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, also Carnival, he's William Massachusetts in Log Horizon. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that's that. Uh, in Japan, he is voiced by uh, uh, Kaneto. What's it? That is Kaneto, Shika, uh, Kaneto Shinzawa. Um, let's see. What do we got here? Um, doo -doo -doo, just looking for where it says main. Mm -hmm. I am not seeing anything that jumps out at me, at me immediately. Oh, actually, I take that back. He was in one of those Lupin the Third movies. So apparently, he did Goemon Ishikawa. Uh, he is. Yeah, none of these. It did not look like he did anything that's sticking out to me, at least. So, yes. Uh, yeah, basically, he, Shin was an ace pilot, and he was duped by his... Uh, basically, he and his friend, uh, Satoru Kanzaki, um, when they graduated from pilot school, got drunk one night in Paris. Uh, unfortunately, while this is going on, Kanzaki uh, had a plan, and Kanzaki is voiced by... What to do? Let's see, does it list him here? Satoru Kanzaki, voiced in, Eng voiced in English by Jason Douglas. Did Let's see. Ah, uh, he is. Oh, he's Beerus. Oh. <laughs> um. Also, also Krieg in Borderlands Three. 
And also Tobin from the The Walking Dead. Uh, also, let's see. Uh, well, this is, IMDb has it listed as Creek from Borderlands Three. Uh, also, apparently, just does acting stuff because he's also in like Nashville. He was in The Walking Dead, as I said, I think. Um, yeah. So he's done some stuff. Uh, let's see, and his Japan voice is uh, Mayumi Tanaka. Who, looking from here, is... Oh, oh apparently it's Krillin. Mm-hmm. The oh. Japanese voice of Krillin is the bad, evil bad guy. That's kind of funny, actually. That's really good, actually. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, oh, also, it's Luffy D. Monkey from uh, One Piece, too. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Wow, this was definitely a turn from him. Yeah. Or is that just his kid voice? That could just be his kid voice. Because it doesn't list it here. Huh. Still. Yeah, it doesn't list it here. So yes, uh, so yes, Kanzaki is a bad guy, and what what he does is because. Uh, Kanzaki uh, is jealous that Shin is the uh, target of affection from the Yamato Airlines president's daughter, uh, Ryoko, who is voiced in English by... Um, this is listed here as either Wendy Welker or Hilary Hag. I don't know why there's two English voices, because I don't think we see her as a kid. Um, it could be the second dub. That could be, but it's it's really weird how it's inconsistent like that. Actually, if I look up Area 88 uh, 2004, I bet you it would tell me. It would be the same actress. Bear with me for a moment. She's not listed. Well, anyway, Ryoko uh, basically, yeah, is really in love with Shin and... Uh, Things happen later on. She she might really, really, really like Shin. Uh, so yes, uh, and that pisses off Kanzaki. Uh, and so Kanzaki uh, signs or gets Shin drunk, uh, and has Sin, Shin sign a contract to serve as a mercenary for the Foreign Legion for the Aslan uh, Royal Forces. Uh, Aslan being a fictional country, which it's weird because it's not super inconsistent about where it is, uh, because sometimes I've heard it referred to as North Africa, but it's most likely Middle East. Uh, They don't explicitly say where it is, but it is somewhere in one of those two regions, most likely the Middle East. Um, So, yeah, uh, basically after that uh, Shin uh, is not very happy to be enlisted in the uh, to be the the a fighter for this place that he has not heard of 
Um, and uh, yeah, at the in the station where he is at is Area 88. Uh, that is where the Area 88 comes from. Uh, Area 88 has some interesting characters in there, uh, like Vietnam pilot or ex-Vietnam pilot uh, or ex-Vietnam American pilot, um, uh, uh, Mickey Simon. Who Mickey Simon is voiced by uh, John Swayze. John Swayze, who is also voiced. Yeah, I really wish IMDb was faster. Do come on. Uh, he was, let's see. Is Van Hot? Van Honenheim from Metal, uh, Metal, Full Metal Alchemist. Honenheim, yeah. Uh, he was in Dazed and Confused. He was the beer, beer delivery guy, apparently. Oh, he's all for one in uh, My Hero Academia. Like you okay. do. Uh, let's see. He is some guy in Attack on Titan. Um, going through here. Not see. Oh, he's in uh, Flip Flappers. He does voices for that. Oh. Probably the most recent ones. I'm not super familiar with some of these. Um, so yeah, he definitely does voices for anime. Um, Mickey Simon is basically kind of Shin's best friend, kind of there. Uh, he is somewhat kind of cocky, um, but he is also one of the other big players. There is Greg Gates, who is a Danish, uh, Danish. Uh, I don't know if they go into what exactly he did before. Uh, but he is basically this bearded man who uh, basically is very boisterous, very almost Brian Blessed is kind of. Um, I think I might actually, unfortunately, have to skip the voice actors career because this is just not very confusing. Um, so uh, also, for reference, the the Ryoko we we heard us here um, was Hillary Haig. Oh, okay, that who's sense. done a lot of stuff. Yes. I just closely associate her voice with the dub of ghost stories because I'm a broken human being. <laughs> or she played the main character. Oh boy. <laughs> so yes, there are the kind of um and those are kind of the the most important people there or like the Shin's greatest allies, I guess. Uh there is also uh, another ally who, at first glance, looks very unfortunate by the name of McCoy. Uh, if you were to just see him out of the blue, you would kind of see he... I, I mean, there's no way to say it. He looks like a Jewish stereotype. Um, he, You're saying that because Lilla knows. Yes. He looks very much like Wado. Uh. But uh, no, he is, he is actually kind of a kind of a shifty kind of uh, dealer, but he is actually very good at heart. So he's not that bad of a character. Um, also, the other main big important character is the leader of Area 88, and that is Saki. Uh, he is this very... Uh, he's very tall, very long uh, hair, and he has an X, uh, a X-shaped cro- uh, scar on his forehead. Uh, he is the Boy, leader... Howdy, it's a lot of forehead. Yeah, he has a lot of forehead. <laughs> 
and uh, he is the leader, and he is also, uh, while seeming kind of cold at first, he is actually much more compassionate towards his soldiers as you would initially believe. Um, so yeah, uh, that is kind of the main set of characters in Area 88. There's, of course, more other characters that come along, um, as I guess we'll kind of discuss as we kind of go through out these uh, kind of OVAs episodes. So, um, first episode, which is uh, Burning Skies of Betrayal. As we mentioned, starts out with uh, Shin getting into a dogfight with several other fighters and him kind of landing and piloting. Um, uh, there, uh, he is met by a, uh, a reporter who has recently come to Area 88, a reporter by the name of Rocky, uh, who I guess is covering this for, um, I don't think they say where he's for, but uh, yeah, he is just a reporter that has come to Area 88 to basically document what's going on there. And he kind of takes a fascinating with, a fascination with Shin because um, he is uh, also Japanese. So it's kind of fascinating for him to see another Japanese person there. Um so he kind of comes up to Shin and basically starts to uh, kind of. Uh, so, yeah, he just kind of talks to him and uh, comes to understand like uh, what he is doing and what he's doing there. And you kind of realize Shin is very good at killing people, much to his chagrin, uh, because Shin has become a very ace pilot because um, of the... He is trying to fulfill... Uh, is basically, when you sign up for Area 88, you actually... There are three criteria in which you can actually get out of Area 88. You can get out of your service. Uh, the first one is to serve the full tour of duty, which is three years. Uh, the other one, which is the way that Shin's kind of focusing on, which is if you raised one and a half million dollars... You can buy out your contract. Uh, and I guess they pay out and they uh, for every mission they pay out or pay each people out because they are essentially mercenaries. Uh, I think they said uh, or at least hinted out that the going rate was like 10,000 a head or something like that. Something yeah, like that. that about... um, and then uh, there is the third way, which is the hardest uh, way, which is to defect. But uh if you do that, you're going to get pursued down and you are likely going to die because they're very good at chasing people. Um, so that is uh, what you have to do to get out of Area 88. Um, and uh, we kind of see that uh, Area 88 kind of has a pretty high turnover rate, uh, at least with certain people, because we are introduced to a character by the name of Boris at this point. Now, Boris is referred to as the Angel of Death. Uh, he is, I believe, ex. I believe it is UK. Has fought in several wars, I believe. I forgot exactly. I don't think they actually go into what war, but he is definitely. Uh, he is kind of haunted by uh, people he has left behind, as we'll see a little bit later on. But yeah, he's just really good at also fighting, much like Shin and basically They kind of have a heart to heart, or Shin and Boris kind of talk to each other about what, how they kind of deal with uh, having to kill people, even though they really don't want to. Um, so at this point, I believe, um, we actually see our first mission, like proper mission, uh, where they're just trying to destroy a, um, 
I believe it's just trying to destroy a base of the enemy. Uh, so a rebel base, yeah. The rule, the war that they are kind of essentially fighting is a civil war between the uh, basically Aslan uh, is going is going through a civil war, which Saki is basically on the side of the pro government, and uh, they are fighting anti government forces. And the anti government forces, uh, they are trying. The mission is to destroy one of their bases. So one of the bases, so during this mission, uh, basically everyone, you kind of see a montage of everyone kind of suiting up and going to actually fly towards this mission. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, this is where you first see one of the things that this OVA really likes to do is this game or this OVA has a fascination of watching planes blow up in very gory fashion. It's fucking awesome. It's great. Uh, because one of the traps that this space has is kind of weird. and kind It's of, a jungle gym. Yeah, they have a jungle gym. Their defense is a jungle gym. <laughs> they raise a jungle gym. It's a out giant of jungle gym. And, it's just... Uh, one of the things about this... Uh, and uh, this, I, It's also in the manga, but this property in general is that this also has a fascination. Apparently... Uh, see, I forgot the manga artist's name... Uh, the manga artist was a huge fan of planes. Uh, so you see a lot of fancy planes throughout this thing. Uh, Shin, uh, personally, or at this point, uh, flies an F-8 Crusader. Uh, Mickey, and, um, uh, one of the things that Shin, like, she was like, oh, hey, here's how you can see as a good pilot, realizes, oh, hey, if I fold my plane's wings up just a little bit, I can actually fly through the jungle, uh, this jungle gym and also destroy everything in there. Um, so Shin, uh, like, flies up and is able to actually complete the mission, uh, as well as, I believe, Mickey and Greg, I believe, also are able to do it as well. Yep. Um, but the thing is, is that Boris is also with them, and they, it, he helps out. The problem is, he's shot at this time. And at this, uh, basically, he realizes, okay, I'm about to die, and I'm basically going to give some life advice to Shin before I die. Yeah, it, that, the shot goes directly through the canopy and grazes him. I think it goes like straight through his like, because you see him holding his chest and he's bleeding pretty badly. Yeah, hit his, yeah. Hit his shoulder like area. So yeah, at that point he, uh, I I think he passes out in the plane and basically just crashes. Yep. Um. So yeah, and then you see, uh, Rocky talk to Shin while he's clearing out his room because. Uh, I want to say that he was, uh, like, he was trying to, like, was there something that he was trying to, like, hold on to? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah. It was just so inconsequential. Um, but yeah, then Rocky comes in and starts taking pictures and Shin gets really pissed off and Rocky starts to see like the problems or like that they're having. So he ends up seeing that. Uh, then at that point, I believe this is where we learn the backstory of how Shin got into area 88, where, uh, um, you see Kanzaki and, uh, Shin start to actually like the night in which, uh, Kanzaki signs, uh, Shin up with the military which that's one thing that i've seen uh kind of level that like that does not make any sense because i'm pretty sure if, uh any foreign legion would not just say oh hey you signed this you are now this is now actually legal and we can force you to do this 
To be uh, fair, A, it's anime, and B, they are desperate for bodies. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing. Um, so there is that. Um, and uh, I think at this point we start to see, also see uh, Ryoko and Shin meeting for the first time. Where uh, you basically see, uh, like, they have, like, a meet cue where Ryoko thinks that Shin's actually the help, even though he's an actual student there that is a pilot. And, like, there's a scene where it's kind of like, oh, hey, Shin is, like, this pilot, but he's also afraid of roller coasters. And I'm pretty sure sure right immediately after that scene, they get into a dogfight of him, which he kills, like, five people. Also, real quick, the dogfights look pretty good. Yes, they do. They, they always look good. They spend a lot of money on those dogfight scenes. Um, and I believe at this point, this is where they have one of the more interesting kind of missions. Um, I can't remember if it's in the second or first OVA, but uh, they, there is a mission that they have that there is a fuel reserve that's in a canyon. Um, and uh, Basically, it's a very narrow canyon, and they need to get a bombing crew in there. In there. Um, and Might I add, they, they do this by using uh, one of those projectors and just overlaying transparencies over it to show this... the depth and order, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Create so, a small box. So yeah, basically, if you overlap all... Because they have a cross-section of what the canyon looks like. And they actually determine that there's actually a pl- a very small box that you could fit a plane through that they have to flight through at night. Uh, and there is a... It is essentially the Star Wars death trench, except much scarier. To be um, fair, the entirety of Area 88 is essentially their suicide squad. Yes. Um, so... They have this mission, and basically, it's like, what, six people that die in this thing? Out of, like, the I I'd argue it's more than that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah they, six that we at least see. Yes. So, kind of the main people kind of go through. So, uh, Shin, Mickey, and Greg, and as a, I think there's a few other of the more recurring people also make it through. Um, and, but then, the problem is, at the end... Um, they realize that, oh, wait, this actually was a trap, and there's a bunch of Harriers that's just waiting for them to do that. And then Shin gets into some good... Shin and Mickey get into some good dogfights. Actually, now that I realize it, I think this is actually... That actually might be in three, now that I think about it. Or that might be a different mission. Yeah. Anyway. Um, there's that mission, which is pretty good. Uh, there is also, at that point... Um, Basically, it shows that Shin is bracking up the kills, and he's actually almost ready to go home. Uh, except then he uh, gets into a dogfight, realizes that he's out of ammo uh, in his F.A. Crusader. Um, the thing is, is that uh, the other ship or plane that he's fighting against kind of gets the upper hand and unfortunately knocks Shin down, so destroys his F-8. Um, so that means Shin has to buy a new plane which depletes a lot of his funds. And at this point, he is very upset about that, oddly enough. Um, and then he realizes, like, you know what? I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to steal one of these planes at night. 
and I'm going to go ahead and defect. Um, the thing is also around this time is that there is a side plot about three African pilots that have suddenly shown up. And then Mickey recognizes them as the escape killers. And they are basically uh, mercenaries that are very good at hunting down people who are about to defect. And then basically Shin gets into kind of a confrontation before the, uh, with them before he starts to run away. Um, and then everyone comes out of the woodwork and backs up Shin. And is like, oh no, Shin wasn't going to defect, right? Right? And then basically they fight, they warn them off and then basically they end up going away and that is the end i believe that is the end of ova1 um because ova2 starts out with a banger uh which basically <laughs> uh i think that is the one that just start straight up starts out with um so uh I believe it is one of the pilots ends up uh taking rocky out for a air like a um uh, a trip in his plane to kind of take pictures from a long distance away. Oh no! Doesn't doesn't the second part just start with a bombing run by yeah, Wolf Daddy start, set to yeah. speed metal? Yeah, that's what. The no, second I thought one. I thought that I thought that was three. No. The, no, the, oh, okay. The so okay, so the second so the second OVA, yes, that starts out with there is a. Oh right, um, so. Yeah, because that leads up to something. So, yeah, the second OVA uh, ends up... Um, it starts with... There is a... Uh, enemies of the uh, uh, Aslan army. Uh, there is a section of fighters that they have called the Wolf Pack. That basically they are... Basically these really competent fighters that end up doing a bombing run. Uh, Headed up by a man whose call sign is Wolf Daddy. Yes. Uh, they end up doing a bombing run on Area 81, I believe. Uh, so, fun Which fact, is a communications base. The fun fact about that is, um, if I remember correctly reading uh, from the manga of this, uh, that is something they changed in the OVA. I think in the manga, a nuke goes off. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, no, because like, uh, I think in the previous episode, they had described all the areas, all the, the 80 areas, uh, and I think 81 was either they just didn't have anything really notable. It was a small base or it was a communications base. I can't really remember. Something like that. Um, but yeah, they have a um, strafing. Like, they get bombed, essentially. Um, and then uh, that is where uh, the, I believe at that point, that is where Rocky is taken up on a plane trip uh, or like to take some photos. Uh, however, they get into a dogfight. Um, unfortunately, in order to evade, the pilot has to basically go at a extremely high altitude. The problem is, in order to evade, um, they have to go straight up. Uh, and unfortunately, they do that for far too long. Uh, and you get to see both of them, both the pilot and Rocky, eventually experience right out. Um, so they end up stalling. Uh, both of them pass out. Uh, I think it might be implied that Rocky at that point has gone blind. Uh, and then basically they both die. So Rocky's uh, also, just dead. Again, I cannot emphasize this enough. During the bombing run, it was playing fucking speed metal. Yes. <laughs> it's, I cannot emphasize this enough. So yes, uh, that is when they kind of fight the wolf pack. 
um or that is when that happens yep because at that point there is another mission that i believe this is where you also see some uh dealings with ryoko where it actually turns out that uh kanzaki is also working with um a uh a shady or a shady company that um would uh is working to kind of underhandedly get kanzaki's trying to buy yamato airlines out from underneath the current president uh and apparently that works because he at that point becomes the president of yamato airlines uh so ryoko's uh father is no longer in the picture and basically uh in order to get um yeah, basically, she now has to deal with him now. Uh, so there is at that point. But uh, one of the things that uh, before Rocky died, uh, he was able to get some pictures of Area 88 uh, towards or sent to a magazine, in which Ryoko uh, sees that. Like he she kind of like takes a look at a random picture and like, oh, wait, that is totally Shin. Uh, so she is now on the hunt for uh, she and her uh, Ryoko and her uh, basically her it's I think it was her father's secretary, but kind of turns out to be her companion, uh, Taiko, who's kind of a older or a slightly older woman who looks very secretarial. Uh, Glasses kinda, and everything. Yeah, she kind of looks like a bun. Yes. Uh, so she is uh, basically there trying to help f- figure out where is uh, whereas Shin the thing is also Kanzaki also sees that picture and realizes oh wait he is at uh, Shin is actually doing way too well in Area 88 so he actually uses some contacts of his to actually talk to what apparently is like a mob boss it seemed like and uh, I thought it was a contract killer so yeah he yeah. does he ends up talking to a, a middleman he, he talks to a middleman essentially Right, because I know he talks to the mob bosses in the manga, but I don't know if that's exactly who it was supposed to be. Yeah, no, OVA. and this it seemed like it was more like just some sort of middleman to get in contact with the contract killer. So, uh, at that point, uh, there is a suddenly a new face at the area. No, someone new has signed up for Area Eighty Eight. I believe it's, I believe it's like Charlie the Phoenix. I believe his name. Something like something that. Stupid like that. Yeah. Um. And basically, he's he's kind of introduced, and he's apparently an old friend of uh, uh, Mickey's, actually. Uh, and he uh, is now signed up at Area 88. Uh, the thing is also, at this point, uh, they decided, like, okay, we are going to... T- uh, the wolf pack is now descending, apparently, onto Area 88. Uh, they now have to kind of sortie out and actually kind of take them down. So, uh, with that... Uh, everyone is basically in the plane. They all have this massive dogfight, which is very, very vessely depicted. Uh, people are getting shot Lord through their planes. Uh, planes are. Oh, also, I should mention, Chin uh, did lose his F8. Uh, but at the end, the start of the OV, uh, second OVA, he does get his new plane, which is one of his more signature planes, which is the F. Uh, I believe it's the F20 Tiger Shark. I believe is the plan yes. that he gets. It is the tiger shark. Yep, it's the tiger shark. Um, so he gets that plane, and he's now using that in this fight. 
Uh, and he's doing good work. He's they end up taking, I believe, a good majority of the wolf pack, if not all of them. Uh, Arie takes quite a few casualties, but they all end up winning in the end. Uh, the problem is, is that Charlie, or I really should look up to see, one of us is going to have to look that up. Um, but he uh, uses this opportunity to um, do some friendly fire and ends up downing uh, Shin's ship, or uh, Shin's plane, However, uh, Shin manages to uh, kind of, uh, not coerce him, but he basically, uh, he gets the guy's plane down to basically almost sea level. Uh, And there just happens to be this giant flock of seagulls that's uh, right below, uh, or that's right behind Shin's plane when it uh, inevitably, uh, his plane explodes and uh, Shin is able to eject uh, the problem is, is that uh, the flock of seagulls uh, go straight into his plane. And Just punches through that canopy, yeah. Punches through the canopy, punches through him, uh, and basically he just sinks into the water and just explodes. It's a really fucking unceremonious death, it's great. Um, so, unfortunately, that means Shin is now stranded in the desert. Uh, and he is. Uh, and everyone assumes him to be dead, too. Yes. Uh, so there is. So he's walking through the desert. He's kind of using a, a little bit of training in order to kind of walk as far away as he can. He's like, okay, you know what? I'm just walking here, and if I end up somewhere else, I, or like I just want to end up somewhere else, I am actually going to defect again this time. Uh, so then you see about ten minutes of him having mirages in the desert and walking through the desert. Uh, so he got Hitchcock. Yes, kind of. So there is that. Um, uh, he just keeps going. And keeps he keeps going. going, walking to the thing, and then it's at he night. He runs out of water, runs out of food. Yep. So then he comes, you see him, and he comes across a settlement in which you see him being very dismayed. Uh, uh, because he comes across a settlement. You see him climb a dune and then just start to freak out. Uh, because what happened is he managed to bumble his way back to Area 88. And then How Far is Paradise just starts playing as he just walks down the strip. Losing his fucking mind, realizing he can't escape. And that is the end of OVA 2. (laughs) It's so fucking brutal. It just... (laughs) Yeah, that is... A pretty brutal end to OVA 2. Uh, but then OVA 3 starts uh, with Stand of Illusion playing, and it's the middle of a dog fight. Uh, and that is where you also, like, whereas OVA ended, st- ended pretty brutal, this starts pretty brutal because what happened in this one is that they are in a dog fight and they are coming uh, in the middle of a dog fight. Uh, Shane is working with another uh, pilot whose name I forgot. Um, I'll have to look that up. Uh, but the problem is, uh, the pilot ends up getting shot and ends up taking a bullet through his eyes. So he is, or yeah. taking a blind, a bullet that blinds him, essentially. So it's he very is, graphic too. Yeah. So he is now blinded in a plane. He is the only pilot of that plane. And like uh, a jackass, he starts firing. Well, that is after he. That, that is where he also gets shot in the arm. So he ends up uh, firing all over the place. Yeah. So he is end up freaking out, uh, which makes Shin realize something he has to kill him like he has to kill his teammate because he's going to kill someone else 
Like he's trying to guide. He was trying to guide him down, but then he's like, "Okay, this this isn't gonna work," and he ends up just straight up like using his like machine guns to just barrel through this plane and just utterly kills him. It is very unsettling. Um, and this is where uh, they come back, and Shin is very aptly traumatized by this. Um, but you also, this is also where, um, we meet a, basically the OVA or third OVA's newest character and kind of who ends up being the kind of pseudo villain or like, I guess, rival of this, uh, villain or this, uh, episode. And it is a, uh, Vietnamese pilot, I believe is, was it Nguyen Vinh Kong, I believe? Nguyen. 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 Yes. Nguyen. Nguyen. Okay, Nguyen. Yeah, Nguyen Vinh uh is the basically an ex-Vietnamese. He ended up actually uh, in the Vietnam War. He actually fought with Mickey a few times. Or against Mickey a few times. But he is like this very brutal pilot uh, who ends up like, oh, what do you mean? How are you able to just take down that your teammate like that? And basically just ends up getting into trying to dig his nails into shin. Or basically being otherwise a... he seems pretty like personable but it's just he he likes to pick at shin specifically yes because shin is essentially i wouldn't say in denial but he actively rejects what this guy enjoys essentially uh he is essentially it seems like uh shin is kind of going through a dissociative issue yes like absolutely he... he's dissociating uh, he is starting to have major problems with kind of realizing or like like major mental problems at this point. Oh, yeah, uh, especially like the onset of PTSD as well. Yes. So uh, at, whereas this guy is is essentially a foil to Shin. Yeah. Um, it is also at this point where Shin runs into McCoy, who McCoy uh, ends up like talks to Shin about like, oh, hey, I read something in a paper, something about a Yamato Airlines is having this uh issue or like like they're getting a new president or something uh and basically shin has mccoy look into what's going on and basically finds out the issue of kanzaki actually uh i just realized we missed something big that happened in ova2 the dumbest thing i think that happened one of the dumbest things um because um so kanzaki is currently at, was acting as a pilot uh and they're uh, Saki at some point had to go to France because I believe he is looking into a place where they can uh, he can store his father um, because he is a, pol- a political like it, like it, just in case things go south. Uh, his so he, uncle, not his father. His right, father his is leading the rebel rebel army. Right. Um. So there, uh, when he's coming from Paris to Tel Aviv, uh, someone ends up planting a bomb. That was actually... Or was that OVA 3? Before... Th- that was OVA 2. Okay. That so, was yeah. before that entire uh, Wolfpack arc. Okay, I knew I, I knew I missed something. I just forgot what. Um, but yes. Uh, so in that, um, there is a... Uh, they, they, they plant a bomb on the plane that Saki's two. on. Oh yeah, two of them. Uh and basically, Saki ends up talking to the pilots and actually contacts Area 88 and says, hey, uh, there's bombs on these planes. Can you do anything about it? 
And through a convoluted uh, scheme, uh, basically Mickey and Shin shoot bombs off of a plane. While flying upside down. While flying upside down. Uh, it is the most anime-ass thing the series it's does. This- weird disconnect from the rest of the series like totally because just them being big damn heroes yes yeah it's cool it is but also it it just feels very wrong in comparison to everything else aside from that bombing run by the wolf pack by wolf daddy yes i will never not get over that name also ryoko and and her friend are also on this plane Yes, that yes. too. And at the very end, you see Shin uh, fly through the thing, and you see him look at the plane, and it almost looks like even though they are thousands of feet apart, that they that Ryoko and Shin see each other, although it is not quite the case. But it's Behold really my telescopic eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So there's th- that's. All of what happens in OVA 2. Um, so in OVA 3, or back to OVA 3, um, at that point, um, we also, I believe I believe it's also, I can't remember if it's 2 or 3, where we actually see that Kanzaki and Shin actually grew up in the same orphanage. I don't really remember which one that was, but I know yeah, what I you mean. Know. Yeah. Because uh, it was such like a weird... Out of nowhere scene. I think that was in three. And here's yeah. the thing. So Kanzaki just got there because his parents died. And then Shin's like, oh, what's it like having a mother? And he's just like, and then Shin's like, yeah, I just never knew my parents. I've been an orphan forever. And this is where we learn why Kanzaki screwed over Shin is that he can't imagine. He hates anyone that has things better than him. He has this weird superiority complex and it is ridiculous yes um we also find another there's another subplot that goes down with kanzaki that is much less much more sinister uh basically uh ryoko and taiko or uh, taiko find out that um that shin that they can buy out shin's contract essentially um and basically they're trying to raise up money to get the contract bought um and basically they go they're trying to buy up share the sell the shares of yamato airlines in order to raise enough money uh unfortunately they could not find enough people so they have to go to kanzaki for it uh well it's they they they, that it wasn't the issue the issue is they want to sell their shares uh but the problem is kanzaki they still want to believe in kanzaki and they figure kanzaki could give them the best rate for their shares and then we go into this. Yes. Yeah, so basically, Kanzaki's like, okay, I'll give you the money if you sleep with me. So that is the that is a subplot that is going down. And basically, uh, Ryoko just kind of flat out refuses at first. Or refuses. Yeah, it's, it's I'll, I'll buy your shares at above the, the going rate. Yes. So there's that going on in the background. Uh, then there is another dogfight, I believe, just another mission going on to destroy, I believe, fuel reserves um, or something like that. Uh, this is where we see, uh, I already forgot his name, Nguyen? Nguyen. Nguyen. Um, 
Nguyen are like Nguyen's with them with a dogfight, and basically uh, they're fighting these people. Um, and then uh, you get to see kind of the sadistic thing about him is basically he's having like a huge bloodlust kind of thing about trying to destroy as many people as possible. Uh, the thing is that one of the people that he ends up fighting with ejects from his plane. So, and it's also this is at the point where you see like what possibly could be one of the more brutal plane ripping apart things. So you just start seeing like planes just being ripped apart in such more graphic detail it seems than even normal. Uh, but then at this point, you see one guy or one guy that's just flying around in like it's in his uh, his ejecting seat, so he's parachuting down. And you just see him fly slowly to the ground. And then uh, you see New- uh, Nguyen just have the biggest smile on his face. And he just rips the guy apart with his machine gun. And then you just see the limp body in the the seat for like five seconds. And then just falls. It was like surprisingly brutal. Uh, so you get to see that is where his he is kind of brutal. I'm just trying to remember what else happened in that. Because um, uh, basically it's turning out that Area 80 is starting to almost seem like it's losing a little bit. Um, yeah, three flows into four very well, easily. What, so it's what, easy loose. what seems like what would be a four if it existed. Oh, there's all yeah. yeah. There is also the other part where Mickey and Shin go on a little mini vacation to go into the actual town. Yeah, and we see Mickey's ex-wife. Yes, or ex-fiance. Ex-fiance, yes. Um, because the story of Mickey is that basically uh, he got uh, he when he got done with Vietnam, uh, basically he realized that he, I think it was like a mix of PTSD and just he just so used to the war and like the brutality of it that he just couldn't deal with. Because I believe he was also uh, from money. Is what it seemed like he was. It kind of was uh, hinting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. He, he couldn't get used to his civilian life, so he signs up for Area Eighty Eight. Uh, but yeah, he runs into his ex-fiance there, who's with her uh, new husband. So, and they both realize who the other is, but neither of them say anything, and they just move on with their lives. Yep. Uh, this is also where you learn about the history between, uh, like, what Saki and his family and what's going on with the Civil War, uh, where it's basically, um, it's, is it, uh, it's like Saki's father uh, uh, was more of a, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, the was crux a- of the issue was that, uh, that there was, Basically, Western so, forces want to come in, and I believe that. Well, Saki's no, it's it's basically it was a a war of succession. Uh, the second prince felt uh, basically. Um, well, the first prince, because he got disenfranch disen. The first prince got disinherited from the throne, and yeah. then decided to declare war. Yep, uh, he felt. But- slighted because he wasn't the the heir is the thing yeah and basically they uh, wanted so uh, like american companies or like western companies to start coming well, in. I, I don't remember the exact reason he got ousted but i don't think that was it it's then he started the the, the revolution right, and that's when the companies came in okay that's to when, help yeah. him out yes 
And so at this point you learn that they are actually getting the upper hand. Yep. Uh, and you also learn that the company that uh, your boy Kanzaki sold out to uh, is the one providing them arms. Well, one of the ones the, providing them arms. Yes. Um, is also, speaking of that, uh, there is also another plot point that happens um, because uh, at the uh, Yamato Airlines is now investing in that company's uh, new plane, which Air you get buses, to see. Yeah. You get to see a scene of, the, or they have a thing where it's like, oh yeah, it's, I've heard it's something that McCoy actually talks to Shin about, where it's basically, oh yeah, I've heard that they're starting to use this new kind of plane, but uh, if you want to take my advice or hear what I think, basically. Um, that plane is like meeting the bare minimum of quality assurance. Like they're not even hitting it a good amount it's, of time. It's not even like an opinion thing. It's like, that's the word going around is that actually it's riddled with defects and problems and it just barely meets the inspection standards. Yep. And then you see a scene of uh, like a whole bunch of families in a, one of these planes as it goes down into Tokyo Harbor and no one dies and everyone dies. Yep. Uh, and then basically there's a huge press uh, release about that and then huge scandal yeah and tank uh, the the stocks tank and so this yes. is important yes um so it is at that point where uh basically uh Ryoko is like okay there is no way that I'm getting more money out of these stocks uh, I'm going to have to take um uh, Kanzaki on his offer. Uh, so you get to see a scene of Ryoko very, very not happy about taking up her uh, his offer, like going into his hotel room, Kanzaki being incredibly shitty about it. And he's like, oh, you want to go take a shower? Go do this? And then basically, Kanzaki is like gloating to himself like that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm basically taking Shin's woman essentially like in the most mustache defiling her yeah yeah like the most mustache also this scene goes on for really long yes so you see also ryoko start to undress and take uh like getting ready for a shower and you see her like nude like in front of the mirror like drawing on the mirror like wondering if is this really the right thing uh but then at that point uh she hears knocking on the door and uh, she sees someone barge in and she falls down uh, and it's Taiko. Uh, Taiko is there with the cops uh, because they are now arresting Kanzaki uh, for very many crimes that he is doing. Or, or like he is basically, basically uh, Taiko has been doing research into Kanzaki and basically got enough information to bust him. So yep. she, she managed to save Ryoko out of that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So did you mention why they needed the money? Uh, it's so that they can buy out Shin's contract, isn't it? No. Uh, well, yes, but the reason they didn't have any money to begin with, despite being rich, uh, and the reason her father got ousted from the CEO ship, uh, was specifically because he had been having heart problems and had to go out to France, uh, to see a doctor. Right. And was now living there. Yep. So they are now in France. Um, so I think it's the this point where 
is is this basically where it starts to wind down? Yeah, this is where it starts to wind down because I think this uh, is so kind of out of nowhere after the arrest. Uh, basically, uh, Saki comes to or Shin brings Saki or Saki brings Shin in and basically says, "Okay, I'm giving you this mission. Uh, you are to provide escort to my uncle. Uh, he is going to live in France now." Uh, just to make sure that he is safe. Uh, also, you no longer have to fulfill your contract. You are free. Just out of nowhere. Um, well, yeah, it's it's you are escorting the, the now standing king to France for political asylum. And once you're done, uh, your contract is officially up with us. Yes. So it's like, oh, Shin is now leaving Area 88. Uh, so it, you get the scene of basically... Him packing up, and it's like, oh, I'm really going home. And Wynn is like, provides one last kind of attempt to like rub it in, rub it in. It's like, oh, actually, no, I take that back. Before he leaves, um, there is more recruits that show up in Area 88. Oh God, you're right. Uh, and one of them, uh, Shin notices is a Japanese man, and uh. Basically, things happen. I think that is uh, that ha- this happens in between uh, the arrest, like the like arrest. Uh, so basically, once that happens, uh, Shin gets brought, or uh, someone comes goes up to Shin. I think it's I forgot. I think it's just one of the guards, uh, and uh, goes up to Shin. He's like, "Oh, by the way, we've had we have an issue with a defector." Uh, and it's not, and Shin's like, oh, you want me to go search for a defector? That's not what we do. He was like, no, we already caught him. Uh, it's the Japanese guy. He wants to talk to you. Uh, and all the Jeff, the Japanese guy wants to do is just look at Shin and wonder, what does the Japanese man look like that actually does this and doesn't run away? Just basically drills in the Shin and is like, why are you doing this? This is not how you should act. It's like, I may be dying, but at least I'm not a killer. Yes. Like, really hones that in. Like, in, like, a a five-minute scene of this. And then immediately after that, you you just see Shin just standing in that room as you kind of hear him be executed in the next room. Yeah, you hear him yelling and screaming and on the gunfire. Yeah. As he's, yeah, killed by a firing squad. Yep. So then, uh, going back to when Shin is leaving. Uh, so yeah, there's a scene where Shin is actually like leaving, and then uh, everyone else at the base flies in their plane to kind of guide him towards the, uh, uh, like the, the border, essentially. Uh, and you get to see like everyone's like saying goodbye, one last goodbye, and it, and they're like, oh yeah, don't worry, we're not defecting, we're just sh- leaving Shin off, and then they leave to. Shin does his duty, and basically, you see Shin start to, like, get to the airport, and he gets his kind of stuff back. He's like, oh, hey, I'm free. But then he's walking throughout the town. And also, he, he basically says uh, to them that, because well, they make an offer and basically say, well, look for a buyer for your tiger shark if you want. He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Go ahead and sell it. So then he's walking through the town uh, and tries and uh, he actually got uh, Ryoko's phone number, or I believe it's meant to be like the father's phone number from McCoy um, to try and, and they end up trying. He tries to call Ryoko. She's not available. 
Um, so he keeps on walking. Uh, no, I believe actually that's at this point where she tries to... No, I think that something else is going on there. Yeah, no. She missed calls the first time. She's They're not there at home because... Then it comes the next time. She's walking around some more, just still stressed. And, and she's not home this time because they go out to eat to celebrate. Yep. Because he, her he, her father is in a clean bill of medical health. And then at this point, some thugs, some just people trying to pick up and beat the try to beat up Shin, who at this point's like, okay, come on. You, you think that you scare me? Yeah. And then he, just randomly, yeah, there's, there's a bank robbery going on. Yeah, and one of the, like, he picks up one of the thug's knives, or, like, kind of pries it off of him, and then you see Shin with, like, a mat, like, a, like, devious grin on his face as you see this bank driver's drive towards them. Shin just hooks, like, throws the knife into the driver's shoulder and causes him to crash. Like, this most implausible nonsense. And then he gets picked up by the police. Yep. Uh, and they tell him, hey, buddy, you don't officially exist here. What you did is not on the records, because that could cause problems. So leave the country. Yep. And we will let you off. Yep. So then that happens. And then while this... And all the while there's this going on, Shane is just on... Like, he is completely baffled of what to do. He is still PTSD-driven. He just does not know what to do. And right after that happens, he calls the people back up that he talked to that were selling a ship, or his plane. He's like, you know what? Don't worry about finding a buyer. I know exactly what I'm doing with it. Uh, now, it, at the same it, time, this is happening. Yeah, I was going to say, at the same time this is happening, uh, basically, Saki is talking to everyone, at the rounds up everyone at the base saying, Hey, uh, so all the, basically all the the armed forces are attacking the town, and they're all coming after us. They're doing one last raid. Uh, we will not have. We do not have the reserves to fight this. This is going to. If we fight, we are going to die. Well, um, yeah. At this point, also, he, he says essentially the country has already fallen and they have won. Yes. So basically, we've lost. Uh, if you get caught, you're going to die. So we basically, what you're going to do? is you're going to get in your plane, and you're going to fly away. Um, She's going to fuck off. Uh, but then... Really fly to Switzerland, I think it was. Something like yes. that. Uh, but then, at the same time, uh, everyone's like, nah, we're fine. We're fine this. We don't have anywhere else to go. We're, we're, we're ending with this. And then, basically, there's a scene of uh, everyone basically engaging... Including Saki, by the way. Like, yep. Saki is also uh, in air To be fair, Saki's got nothing to live for at this point. Yeah. So they're engaging in a dogfight uh, like that. And everyone, like, you see almost everyone die except for, you don't see Mickey and Greg die, and you don't see Saki die. You don't see a good chunk of them die, actually. It's just this big damn heroes moment as they're fighting back. Uh, but then, then we cut. Oh, also one thing that, so right when you see this happen, you see Shin, like, make one last phone call to Ryoko. And she manages to pick up this time. So Shin like manages to get a word it's like, oh Ryoko. And then you see you just hear like Ryoko like plead the Shin like, oh where are you? Where is this? We can come pick you up. And then you just see Shin just look kind of blankly at the, the phone, just 
and he just he just hangs up. It's like, nope, I'm going back to Area 88. And then Ryoko is like, Shin, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Just crying into the phone and trying to run after him. And then Shin just goes back into the cab and you see him realize what he's done, but he just goes back. Then you see him flying his tiger shark back to Area 88, which is now going to be demolished. No, no, no. You see him flying back to Area 88, cut the credits. Yep. Yeah, not even him getting to the fight, just not even, not even any kind of closure on that. Just fly across the screen, then cut the credits. It's the worst fucking, like... There was nothing satisfying about that ending. Like, it was astounding how unsatisfying that ending was. So, yeah, and that's how the OVAs end. Um, so I did a little bit of research, um, to kind of look at like the source material a little bit. So that does kind of happen in the manga, but the thing is, is that the area 88 getting, um, like that one last thing does not happen at all. So area 88 just exists at this point. Like Shin does do the thing where he flies away and is relieved, but does come back. Like that does happen, but it also like... That is like the half point waypoint in the manga. Um, it's it's just such a weird ending. Um, it's actually kind of an interesting cutoff because um, now that we've talked about the OVAs, I do kind of want to discuss where how this ties into the games themselves because it actually turns out that the uh, story of the uh, that the games is based on is based on an arc that happens, I think, right exactly where the OVA ends or would have ended, like where it does in the manga. Because what it turns out happens is that, you know, the arms dealer that they they mention that's like, um, uh, like make is selling arms in the middle in like in this conflict. Um, mm-hmm. Kanzaki ends up getting ousted from Yamato Airlines and ends up working with the lead for that company. Uh, and they end up uh, forming a new project, which they call Project 4. Um. Project 4 is basically making... Basically, this is when the point in the manga where it starts becoming anime as hell. uh, Because that is when they start bringing in the sci-fi stuff. Like, say... uh, Because if you play the game, like, you see, like, the land carrier. Where you see, like, it is an aircraft carrier that uh, is just rolling in the desert. And is shooting... That has a bunch of Harriers that are all remote controlled. Like, that is what the the arc of the manga that happens right after the OVA would have ended happens. Um, which is, I think, is just kind of funny. Um, though, one thing, I do think that there is one... I do believe the fight with the wolf pack does show up, and I believe in the SNES game. I don't think it does in the arcade game, though. Um, but yeah, uh, that is... <laughs> that is the Area 88 OVAs. That is uh, what also, you... I realize that we forgot something. What did we forget? Uh, so during the the bombing run in the canyon, at one point they need to pull up to leave, and they get attacked by Harriers. Yep, I, I think we did mention that. I don't think we did, but well, well I, I, I think I think we mentioned that they were got trapped, but I don't think I yes, they are Harriers. Specifically, see... Harriers. Yes. Uh, also, I should we should point out because I don't think we did. Uh, this takes place in late seventies. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure. Er, 
Um, yeah. The photographer and the the pilot got gunned down in the field. That had nothing to do uh, with Red Out. The Red Out came because when they were avoiding the Harriers, they needed to escape the missiles, and they needed to go high enough in altitude to get away from the missiles. So Red Out was a distinct problem as they did it, but they didn't actually pass out or die from it. Oh, okay. Just like things are coming back to me at this point. Yes, yeah. that's the problem. Is that I, I realize I probably should. We, take we we need to take extensive notes next time. But either way, yes. Anyway, yes, that is that's that's Area Eighty Eight. So that is what UN Squadron was based on. It was really good until it stopped being good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Until that last twenty minutes. Yeah, we realized that we were able to just whittle it down to 20 minutes of bad, but that bad is just really, really bad. Foul. Just, yeah. So, yes. Um, well, uh, Do we want to talk about the anime at all? Or uh, the fact that it existed? Because, I mean, at some point also we could go... Let's say uh, that for let's we actually do the anime itself. Yeah, because we could do that as its own kind of thing. I just, I need to hear that fucking music. Unfortunately, I don't have it downloaded. How dare you? Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's stick it to the OVA for now. Um, so let's actually, let's let you go ahead and rank those. So our first entry in the, uh, essence category, uh, because if this is your first, so the essence, cause I believe this will be our first, uh, thing in the essence list, uh, which these are. Basically, uh, these are going to be things that are basically media that is based that has had games based on it. Uh, basically, games that try to capture the essence of these things. Uh, so, let's see. Area eighty-eight. If we bring up uh, our handy one to twenty-one scale, um, with eleven being the dead middle, um, and also rainbow colored, uh, what? Uh, how do you two think this? Whole, this? I'd say ten, maybe. See, I still, I would probably put it like a eight or nine. I would put it higher, except for those last twenty minutes. Really, if it wasn't for those last twenty minutes. Like, if we just ended on episode two with just Shin walking back to area area eighty eight at the, if we just ended so, there, I would put it right there at a four. But with, I, with I, the, I would disagree it was good but it wasn't that good but also just because it is like tonally kind of a hot mess yeah. like there's some stuff in there that doesn't need to be there and I feel brings it down and not just that 20 minutes like that entire plane thing didn't need to be there mm. and I'm gonna be real the entire Ryoko subplot amounts to nothing which makes it feel really cheap yeah just things yeah. like that um, yeah, because I was thinking maybe I was thinking the eight, like I was thinking eight, so our above average. Because um, you, so Torpo, you're saying probably. Uh, I was saying like ten, but like nine, nine would also be fun by me. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Eight, nine range would be. Really yeah, I think I think nine's probably a good thing. It is still it's still good, but it is definitely shown its age. It's also very. Um, it's kind of messy. Yeah. yeah, at some points. So, I just put it uh just double check to make sure what we put. Um, nine. Oh, we got a nine. 
Uh, Area 88. Uh, this is episode two. Um, it's originally came out in 1985. Director, I'm just gonna, I'm actually just gonna copy and paste from Salamander. Uh, this was in fact an OVA. Um, let's see. Uh, war, war. This is definitely a war. Yeah. yeah. Or a uh, tone. Ugh. Where's the like? Because we have the, like grim. That's this is totally kind of just. We have brutal. sadness. Yeah, sadness works. Now here's the question. because uh, there's there's two ways. So, Area Eighty Eight, the game. Uh, comparing this to that, um, would you rather play the game or? watch this now the thing is is that there are two games that we're uh comparing this to uh there's the arcade game which um i believe that is in the attack list and i believe that's actually relatively high uh, let me yeah, see if... un squadron is really good yeah, i believe that is un squadron the arcade game is sitting yep. at a four uh which is just below mastercraft so if you were to say, like, how do you want to experience 8088, although I will say the game has almost nothing to do with the property itself. They are completely fucking yeah, I, divorced I from one another. Yeah, I don't know how to say this because they're two com so completely different. Like, the hell, the, the reason, the thing is even named Area 88 and kind of just, it's based on it, but so divorced from it, I can't really... I can't really give an honest answer to this. One funny thing I will mention about the game, like in comparison to the game. Um, so uh, the SNES game, or the SNES version in particular, uh, in that game you are actually saving up money to purchase like ships or you purchase your aircraft. So the aircraft you can purchase, you can purchase the F-8 that Shin starts with, the F-20 that, you can, that he inevitably gets. You can buy Mickey's uh, F-14, Greg's A-10, Thunderbolt. Uh, there is also another plane, which I believe is a MIG, um, which I believe shows up in the manga at some point. Uh, there's also what they call the F-2000 Ifrit, which is essentially the Airwolf. Uh, and that ship is $1 million in-game. Which, if you can, if you could afford that $1 million, uh, that is almost his con that is two-thirds of his contract. Yep. So I always found that to be funny once I found that thing out. It's it's just so weird. It I don't know how to answer this one. It, so I think at this point like, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it blank because I don't think you yeah, can even I, say that. Yeah, I, it's hard to compare the two, really. Or actually, it's like um, let's see. I feel like, like it's an apples to oranges deal here. Like right. I feel like this is probably closer in tone. The, the OVA is probably closer in tone to the original manga, but it's just the game's really good. Yeah, the game's really good. Yeah, I was thinking, because we have the symbol right here. Uh, no, so is, did you mark it for gore? Uh, not yet, because we haven't gotten that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put a yeah. shrug for plus. So, mark this for gore and sexual... Yep. Like, yeah, yep. There, there is attempted sexual assault. Yes. Um, yes, yeah, it's slight nudity, but that's... Um, so... Uh, there is a bit of titty, it's true. And that's yes. really important. So, uh, one thing of the things to call out, I do want to, I do think we should call out the music. Oh, hell yeah. That's good, yeah. Um, let's see, we got music. Uh, let's see. Charm, cin cinematography, story, action. 
I think the action. Street. I actually, I, I do think charm to some extent too. Charm and action, definitely. Like yeah. that is some of uh, the best. Also, I do think the dog fights look pretty good. So yeah. yes, that is. These are some of the best dog fights I have seen. You've got a low bar, buddy. To be fair, I haven't seen a lot of animated dog fights that aren't like that are actual planes versus like just straight up nonsense. Because I'm. Like, I, watching a Gundam is not the same... A Gundam fight is not the same kind of dogfight experience as, like, watching an A-10. It also helps that there are a bunch of, like, older planes, and those are actually a lot more fun to watch dogfight. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Because, yeah, most of the people working at 80, uh, Area 88, their planes weren't really past the 60s. Nope. Like, the, tar- the Tiger Shark, where it's, like, the one exception. Also, Harriers. No, yeah, but the Harriers were specifically brought in by a foreign power. Right. Um, is there anything else we want to really call out? Uh, Not really. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can't really. I'm surprised that there isn't like a right. Is there a writing thing for this? Uh, I mean, it's that's like, in that's in story, which is this. I guess okay. Inconsistent. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't think there's one for that in A, though, unfortunately. Uh, I could do for uh, the, the... I could do... You know, actually... Um, it's... But yeah, it's it's that, that entire plane sequence seems really tonally dissonant. Because the one thing that I do kind of want to... Um, I might have to come up with something later on. But... Yeah, uh, that is... I think that's probably good for that. So, yeah. That's Area 88. The OVA. Oh, actually, I should, I should mark that down. Because if we do, for some reason, go back to the TV series, that is a different thing. Alright, and with that, uh, that brings us to the end of taking a look at Area 88. So, um, with that... Uh, Carnival and Torpo D, is there anything you want to plug? I guess sure. I can I'll plug Boogeyman Buddies, uh, an actual play podcast that Torp and I are on. Uh, yep. It, it's I good. Mean, I, want, I want to plug the holes in my plane. Please help, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not going to help. Oh no. Alright, so with that, uh, yeah, that is going to, as I said, going to do it for Area 88. Uh, next up, uh, next episode, we are going to be covering uh, another OVA. I swear we're not just doing uh, anime. Uh, we're going to be doing other things. Uh, the OVA we were talking about uh, is based on Wizardry Proven Grounds, The Mad Overlord. No! Um, not that. There, That is... The thing we're doing is that's. I know. I I don't want to. But but we got it. We gotta we gotta get back to our uh, stuff based on games, and we're talking about wizardry because again, uh, much like Salamander, a, a franchise that really needed an anime. Why do you feel the need to pair garbage with something good? Uh, it's it, balanced, as all things must be. I will ban you. So fucking help me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, I think that's it for Area 88. So thank you, and thanks. I don't know how I'm going to end these things out. <laughs> thank you all for listening to Media Delta. 
If you want to see the full ranking list for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life in your browser and that will take you straight to the list. If you would like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, this show's sister series in which we play the games that are the shows that we are talking about on Media Delta are based on, you can watch them be recorded live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Episodes are recorded live at 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time on Fridays, 2.30pm Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays, and 1pm Eastern Standard Time on Sundays. Or, alternatively, you can watch all episodes on YouTube by going to youtube.ltp.life. You can follow the show's Twitter by going to at HazeltownStory, or my personal Twitter at LoloDePuzzlo. If you want to discuss the show with others, you can join the official Discord channel by going to discord.ldp.life in your browser, where you can also vote in polls to determine what episodes will be coming next for both RetroRank Rhapsody and Media Delta. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope that you come back for the next episode. <laughs>